0: Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric cars racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com.
1: I'm solo. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. I've outrun Imperial Starships, not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Carillion ships now. She's fast enough for you, old man. What's the cargo? Only passengers, myself, the boy, two droids, and no questions asked. What is it, some kind of local trouble? Let's just say we'd like to avoid any imperial entanglements. Well, that's the real trick, isn't it? And it's going to cost you something extra. Ten thousand, all in advance. Ten thousand? We can always buy our own ship for that. But who's gonna fly it, kid? You? You bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and just. We can pay you 2,000 miles plus 15 when we reach Alderman. 17? Huh? Okay, you guys got yourselves a ship. We'll leave as soon as you're in. Docking Bay 94. 94. It's like somebody's beginning to take an interest in the handy world. get us out of here! Oh, my! i would forgotten how
0: much I hate space travel. Both like trap yourselves in. I'm gonna make a jump to light speed. Mm-hmm.
2: You're listening to Nostalgic
0: Radio and Cars, and if you're not, you're a communist. Okay, welcome everybody, and all you non-communists out there. Thanks for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Cedric, you got your earphones on. Put my There we go. I'm putting my earphones on. You got your earphones. How are you doing, this evening? I am well. You, know, I'm well. You, you could have played the... Uh, Al- you got the Alex Jones thing real quick? You can just go ahead. Oh, it's you Alex mean-
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alex Jones, as uh, a matter of fact, the government is going to take your kids and put them in four slave labor camps. Sorry.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Even though we're not political, sometimes we have to do a little play on it once in a while because uh, Alex Jones actually uses the uh, Imperial Death March. Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, he uses it quite frequently. Quite frequently as his uh, theme to his uh, radio show. So, anyway... Uh, wow, we got, uh, not much going on these days because, the uh, car season is, well, I don't want to say it's almost over, but you know, it's getting kind of warm here in Florida. So when, uh, the weather changes, everybody has a tendency to go in their garage and dig out their boats and jet skis, canoes, uh, rubber rafts, rubber duckies, Schwimmflügeln, even flippers, uh, anything that floats pretty much. So everybody's got an inboard or outboard motor is uh, having those things repaired speaking of which if you have an outboard motor actually preferably an inboard motor give my friends down at uh, forte's inboard and auto connection a call they will gladly get your boat ready for the summer because summer's here and boating's in any kind of water sports and their number is 77-544-6440 that's 77-544-6440 hey a big shout out and a thanks to my buddies over at cop cars online I want to give John and Mark a big shout out because uh, I had to borrow their forklift the other day, so uh, to move some junk around, you know, because I'm a junk collector. And uh, but anyway, they got some cool stuff in. They got some. Uh, they got. Uh, I mentioned this a while back, a couple weeks ago. They had a real nice Magnum, which they sold. But the other day when I was over there, they got a couple of late model Tahoes in. They got a Ford Expedition EL, a number of Chargers, a slew of Crown Vics. So if you're in the market for a cop car. Uh, something that's a police package edition car. Give the, uh, my friends on Cop Cars Online a call. Their number is 727-536-2677. That's 727-536-2677. And, of course, today is Wednesday. Wednesday is my barbecue day. So a big shout-out to my friends at the Rip Shack Barbecue in Largo. They got the meanest barbecue in town. Their their sauce is probably the most outstanding barbecue sauce. Cedric, we're going to have to go down there one of these days, probably before the show or after the show. Yep. Depending on the schedule as well, I'll, I'll treat you one time because their food is real good down there. Sounds like a plan. And, uh, but their number is 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. And you know what? I'm looking behind me, and I actually forgot my banner. This is the second week in a row, and that's only because I left work early and I forgot to throw it in my truck. But a big shout out and a thanks to my buddy Dougie at the sign shop. So uh, I'm going to have to have some decals made here because I'm out of decals and I need to get another little thingy to put on the side window of my truck. So Dougie at the sign shop, here's your number, seven two seven three nine two four five eight two. That's seven two seven three nine two four five eight two. He's down at Madeira Beach and he's got a cool little sign shop and if you need signs made or decals or anything of that nature, give Dougie a call. Matter of fact, if you check out our podcast, all our numbers are on. Matter of fact, you should check out our website, which is golfstreammotorsports.com, okay? And you can find out all the information. And uh, be sure and check out our podcast if you've missed any of our past shows. Don't forget to always, always like us. Like us on Facebook. That's important. Still have a few t-shirts left. We need to sell some of those. They're on our stuffs page. Uh, while you're there, check out my junk page, too, because i got a bunch of used parts I need to sell. In fact, if you guys got some used car parts, shoot me an email, and uh, I'll see if I can help you move some of your parts. If you're looking for any particular cars, again, email whatever, and uh, you can uh, I can help you find some car parts and goodies and things like that. Matter of fact, I had a request today. A friend of mine, um, customer of mine, called me up and said he was looking for a 1959 Impala with a uh, 348, a four barrel, and a four speed. I think all 348s are four barrels, but uh, he want just a four-barrel car, dual-quads, not necessarily, but a dual, a four-speed car. That's a tall order. And then he says rust-free on top of that. So I'm thinking, well, next time I'm out west and my travels rummaging around the desert, the high plains of uh, the southwest and Arizona and New Mexico and uh, maybe as far east of the west as Texas. I might be able to find something like that because there's still a lot of rust-free cars out there. So definitely, you know, like we had uh, Jeff Allen here a few weeks ago, and Jeff Allen... He constantly quoted during the show, you know, the best is in the West. And that's true. I mean, I'm from out West, so I can tell you from my own personal experiences that I have seen some of the best rust-free car. I mean, granted, the rubbers are gone, the interiors are blown up, and um, you know, exploded because of the heat and the UVs and all that kind of stuff. But the bodies are absolutely rust-free. It's really, really nice stuff. Great cars to start with. In fact, some of them are so cool, if you're into the old hot rod thing, which uh, I am, uh, just leave them alone, you know, and just kind of scuff them a little bit and kind of tidy them up and get them mechanically working right, and you got yourself a cool piece, especially, you know, to roam around in Florida with a, something like that because if you roam around with a old relic in Florida, chances are it's uh, got a few rust holes. in it. matter of fact, if it came from Michigan or Ohio or anywhere along the rust belt, chances are you got rust coming up from the bottom and you got rust coming down from the top because they're exposed to the salt air here in Florida, and generally it'll meet in the middle, and you won't have any car. You might have a set of seats. That's about it, some tires. Rubber hoses, few fan belts, and maybe some uh, usable brake shoes, roaming around. Right, Cedric? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. So, how's the old Saturn doing? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's still noisy and not in the good way. What, what Is it the power steering that's out mm-hmm. of it, or rack, or? What's? I'm
2: not sure. I'm not sure what's making the noise. I, I heard that there's it was a common fault in the in the '98 model Is Saturns, and and you just. You can get it fixed, but it doesn't. It's not going to stop running. It's mm. going to keep sounding terrible, but it will keep running.
0: Well, some little item will break, and it'll probably take four or five other 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 other, other, other items with it. So, yeah. it, it, your forty-five-dollar part is going to knock out about a three-hundred dollars worth of uh, another three hundred. Uh, 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 I'm doing it again. That's another three hundred dollars worth of parts. That's generally what happens. You know, one little thing goes bad. And, um, you know, sometimes you go, oh, I'll just get by, I'll get by. I'll keep adding fluid, for example. And oh, yeah. the next thing you know, you got other things going back. For example, on my excursion, it has what they call hydro boost, which back in the day, Lincoln's had those if you had um, four-wheel disc brakes. So generally, a disc brake car has hydro boost in it. So, And, 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 ha- and they and they're basically work off vacuum. And in some cases, uh, the power steering pump, which it does in my case. So anyway, mine's leaking. So I have to keep adding power steering fluid. Problem is, is when it goes bad, not only does it take out the hydro boost, it'll eventually take out the power steering pump, which will eventually cause something else to screw up, like my power steering box, because it'll run short. So now the $400 hydro boost will take out the $200 power steering pump, which will take out the $800 power steering box. Now what do I have? Now I'm about 1500 bucks. That's just in parts. We haven't even figured to labor in on that mess yet. And it's not something I enjoy doing, because it's uh, it's a contortionist job. And uh, you got to be a little weasel to sit there and uh, squeeze under the dash and under the hood and in the wheel wells. And uh, besides, my eyeballs aren't that good. On the other hand, uh, she had warts. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) On the other hand, the old cars are easy to work on. This new crap is terrible. It really is. And uh, but anyway, so like in your car, you know, you could have a similar scenario. You know, it could start out with one little thing, and next thing you know. It'll take out the power steering rack, oh, which yeah. will take out, you know, it'll wear and tear on the tie rod ends and yada, yada 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 that kind of crap. So anyway, there are a few car shows this weekend. Saturday is the Dupont Registry Cars and Coffee at six forty-five, seven o'clock in the morning. Dade City's got their or no Plant City's got their car show, and I think there's a big car show at the Villages. So uh, jump on the internet, check it all out. So there is at least a few things going on locally. Well, if you call uh, Leesburg local. <laughs> Hey, we got something spinning around on the turntable. got any vinyl uh, going around and around circles. It's spinning. It's spinning. Groovy. This is a cool old song. This is uh, Can't Get Next to You, Babe, by The Temptations. I've had a request to sit there and announce the song. So from now on, I think I'm going to start announcing the songs. Right, Seth? Yeah. It. Well, All you, right. You got to keep the fans happy, man. Got to keep the fans happy. You know, I'm not really a DJ, but hey, what the heck.
2: Oh, it's
0: a groovy song, man. Get a some food. Crazy
2: on dry land But my life is incomplete and I'm so new. I can't So does that
0: from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you.
3: Hey, this is Danny the Count Coker from Counting Cars out here in Las Vegas, and I love listening to nostalgic radio and cars, and you better listen to them, too.
0: We are back. Okay, and you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. That uh, you know that song we just played here, I can't get next to you by the Temptations. I remember hearing that song when it first came out in 1969. That was kind of a cool song. At any rate, let's see. Hey, we got a great guest for you tonight. Another funny, funny guy. Last week we had Larry the Cable Guy. Well, this guy's funny too. As a matter of fact, this guy's also on a TV show that also airs on the History Channel. So um, let's see. I didn't give any clues this time. A lot of times I'll give out a clue or two. Of time, so we'll keep it a surprise. Although, if you were listening to WTN yeah. earlier today... I, I
2: mentioned it a couple times you mentioned in it. the preceding couple
0: hours. Yes, yeah, Cedric went If ahead, they heard it. If they heard it. Cedric announced it. Uh, very good. Let's see what else I said. Oh, yeah, we were talking about little pranks um, earlier, and uh, I was talking about back in the day when I had a salvage yard. We had this guy that used to come to my shop all the time, and he was driving a 1974, 73-74 Toyota Silica. This is a true story. But anyway, so what this guy would do is he would come in, and he would buy all these little gizmas, little stuff for his, his little Silica. one day he came out and he was on the front counter and he was buying a couple of uh, windshield wipers or the headlight squirters. You know, the ones that are on the um, front bumpers back in the 70s. That was kind of the in thing. So he had two sets of those things or three sets of those things mounted on the front of his car. He had two that were facing the back towards his headlights. Okay. But the other two, he rotated towards the front. And then he mounted some on the rear bumper as well. Well, he used to come to my shop all the time, and he started telling me. I asked him. I said, "What are you doing with these?" And he says, "Well, I'm I'm rigging them up so that I can sit in my car and when people walk by. I can squirt them." So he, he was telling some stories. It was absolutely funny when he was down here in Cleveland Street, and he would hit people when he would walk across the traffic light. And sometimes he had it rigged up where he had a little, little uh, a little booster in there, and he could actually shoot over the car in front of him, which was kind of funny because he showed it. He demonstrated this in the uh, parking lot for us. Well, I hadn't seen him in a couple of weeks, and one day he comes walking in. And he's got a black eye, and I guess evidently what happened was is he hit some girls. When they were going across, well, what he didn't realize is the boyfriends were like about 10 paces behind. So, this is back in the 80s when you could actually walk up to somebody when the window was down, tap, 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 tap on your window. The guy rolls the window down he could clock him. Well, he got clocked right in the eyeball. And so he had this big black shiner, you know. And I had to laugh. And he was like, oh, well, you know. But he was still doing it, too, which was funny. He said, I'm just not going to do it in downtown Clearwater anymore. I'm going to do it over in Dunedin or I'm going to do it in Safety Harbor or someplace like that. But that was kind of a funny story. I thought that was kind of cool. You know, it's kind of like we had a guy come in the junkyard one time. And uh, this is another junkyard story. And uh, the guy comes in and he says, hey, I need a front rotor for a uh, 73 Cadillac. Okay, well, the, there has a Hollander number. And a Hollander is the books that we use in the salvage yard industry that basically cross-references all the parts. Okay, so a Hollander number, let's say, on a rotor for a full-size Chevrolet – or a full-size Pontiac or a full-size Buick, they all interchange. So it's just say like it's a 1457 or something like that, a 1467, whatever it might have been. So anyway, the guy comes in and he asks for a rotor, and I walk back and I grabbed one off the shelf, and it had the part number, but it also had, uh, it said Chevrolet on it. Well, it was the identical rotor, and I told him 25 bucks. That's what we were selling used rotors for back in the day. This was back when they were still American-made, before the Chinese and the mexican and all the other aftermarket crap that comes from third world countries that doesn't work worth a darn so at any rate he goes uh i don't want that and i said why not it works he says no it says it's chevrolet on it. i said it's just chevrolet and a marker he goes well i don't want that i want one for a cadillac i said all right fine no problem so i walked back on the end of the uh, slab and uh one of the guys that I had working for me james i said hey james we got any 1467 rotors out there And he says yeah sure i just pulled a basket pulled a couple off that uh pontiac out there i said okay and I said, good. I said, you got a marker on it? He says, yeah. So I wrote on there Cadillac and 1467. So I walked up front, and I just kind of casually carried it up there, laid it on the counter, and I walked over to get my little receipt book out, and I said 50 bucks. And he didn't bat at it, you know. And I told him 25 for the Chevrolet. But just to prove my point was he I, He looks at it, and he says Cadillac written on it. So he psychologically thinks that because... That part said Cadillac It is off a Cadillac and, therefore, fits only a Cadillac. And, therefore, because it's a Cadillac, he should be paying more. And he says to me, why didn't you bring me that one out the first time? I made no comment. At that point, I felt like saying, okay, ignorance is bliss. I'm not going to say anything. It's the identical part. They both fit, both the same dimensions, diameter, bearing sizes, a whole nine yards, but you know what? If he was willing to pay $50, which is $25 more, I was willing to take his money. So, Well, you'd think the guy would look at it and see that it looks exactly the same as the other part that you brought out. Well, he didn't glance at it that close. And then besides, I took it off the counter. I put it yeah. back on the shelf. But, yeah. I mean, that's just to put my, my point. The guy that I had working for me back then, if anybody knows me back in the day when we had West Coast Auto Salvage, it was kind of cool. I had Dick, uh, one of the guys that was working for me. Well, Dick had a little bit of a drinking problem. And he had a tendency to drink and ride a motorcycle. So one day he was coming back from Tampa, and you know where Malfunction Junction is, right? right. Well, it was kind of late in the afternoon. He had had a few drinks. And so he was not drunk, but just slightly impaired, let's just say, because I wasn't there. I didn't know the circumstances. But anyway, he's riding his motorcycle back. And he's got like a Honda 750. Well, what does he decide to do? He decides to smack the wall. When he hit the wall, he hit hard and busted himself in enough pieces that his femur bone flew out of his leg, and they never found it, by the way. So here he is from the knee down. He's got his body, his leg. But between the, the knee joint and the, the pelvic bone, there was absolutely nothing, okay? Long and short of it, he had to, he was an amputee. Well, the problem was is because there was no bone there, when you typically amputate somebody, he had no structure to wear a prosthesis. Pros- that's the right word, right? Prosthesis? Yeah. Okay, prosthetic leg, in other words. So what happened was is he used to hobble around on, on his crutches. Well, he was a friend of mine from way back when. His brother and I went to high school together. So Dick used to... Get pretty good. He had, you know, they have. Generally, if you're impaired, you have a strong upper body. Well, he would hobble around. He'd grab rotors off the shelf and starters and all kinds of stuff, and he would hobble around and he would put the stuff on the counter and it would sell parts. So, so Dick was a real good guy and everybody liked him. But what happened was, is also in the process, he was tied in with this guy that was a orthopedic surgeon, and he was also a designer of orthopedic or uh, prosthetic limbs. So they were doing some experimentation to come up with some sort of prosthesis to fit his leg properly. Okay. Because there was really just flesh there, loose flesh. There was no bones. There was no structure. So they had to design something special for him to come up and kind of harness around his head. So every time he would get one, it would last for a while. And it was uncomfortable and create pain for him. So what I would do is I would take his old prosthesis, his all prosthetic legs. I would hang him on the wall, and I would hang a sign underneath that would say, Use body parts, inquire with it. So everybody used to get a kick at it because you'd see a fake leg up there or a shoe or something, you know. And then it became a a running joke, so then people would bring in oddball stuff. So here we had this little section on my wall that used to have prosthetics hanging there, you know, body parts, basically, you know. And uh, it was just a running joke, so it was kind of funny, but uh, somebody brought that up the other day in a casual conversation, whatever happened to Dick, and we used to get a big kick out of that. Also, I used to have a sign on my wall that said, be sure what you buy is what you need, because once you buy it, you own it, you now have a spare. So, anyway, are we getting down to that time right now to uh, yeah. just about ready to introduce our guests? Okay, stay tuned. we got another song on the turntable here. Oh, man, this is a good one. Voodoo Child. Jimi Hendrix. Okay, Hey. Got an interview coming up in a few minutes. Stick
2: around. (laughs) Guy Gadbois, medieval castle authority from Marseille. Tell me, do you have a ring? I do not know what a ring is. (sighs) Zimmer. Ah, a ring. That is what I have been saying, you idiot this is your dog bad? No. Oh. oh dig it. Touches you said you're dead, did not bad. That is not my talk.
0: This is Tanner Faust, co host of History Channel's Top Gear USA and all around car lover. And you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Now, this gentleman, he's very, very well known. You've seen him in a number of movies and TV shows. He's also one of the funniest comedians on Showtime, and probably one of America's funniest comedians. He is also one of three current co-hosts on History Channel's hit TV show, Top Gear U.S. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening... Adam Ferrara. Adam, are you there?
3: I am right here, pal. How you doing?
0: Pretty good. So, where are you at right now? Are you up in New York, or are you out west, or where you at?
3: Oh, where am I? I'm in uh, Santa Monica right now, getting ready uh, to meet the fellas, actually. I'm going to meet Tanner and Rutt, and I think uh, we shoot our next episode uh, tomorrow, the oh, day after tomorrow.
0: Day after tomorrow, wow. Now, how often do you guys film?
3: Uh, we still, Right now, we're probably going to be hammered down filming through August, uh, and then uh, we'll see... Um, uh we then, we then we do like the voiceovers and stuff after that so it's it's kind of a year round gig it's uh depending on when we can get the cars when we can get the stories and uh and then the post production takes a little bit of a while but we're having a really good time doing it
0: well, I'll tell you what—you know—they couldn't have picked uh, three better guys to kind of work together on the show because it's very, very funny. It's very, very comical, and it's a lot of—it's its an interesting show. I like it.
3: Yes, yeah, so we're having a lot of fun doing. I mean, the—the uh, the original format is just so classic, and those guys are so iconic that I'm so glad that we got a chance just to be us in the Top Gear context, and finally. Found our groove. I think we came together, we felt as a unit, we came together at the end of the first season where we you all went to Alaska together for six days because we were just driving through Alaska, sleeping in trucks, and you're either going to become a family or you're going to kill each other. So I'm glad <laughs> it worked out the way it did.
0: So, how did the casting uh, thing work out for you? I mean, how was it that you got on the show? I mean, you're a comic, really, by profession?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's, I had done another show for history, uh, called The United States of Cars. It was another car show that, there was a pilot that didn't get picked up. Really? Um, cause I like cars and, uh, they wanted to see me, uh, in that context. So they didn't pick it up, but they said, listen, do you know the show Top Gear? I said, yeah. Uh, they said, well, we bought the rights to it. And my first thought, Robert, was, oh, please don't screw this up.
2: <laughs> this is a
3: great show, don't screw it up. They're like, well, we want you to meet the other two guys we got. Uh, possibly be in the show. And I started thinking, well, I don't want to screw this up. So I met the guys. And it was the weirdest audition I've ever had, because you didn't go to a studio or you didn't go to a producer's office. You, it was like it was like a ransom drop. Meet us in the parking lot, look for an Evo, and no cops. So we just got, <laughs> and the three of us were in this Evo, and Tanner started throwing the car around, and then we all got behind a wheel and started just messing around with a car in a parking lot. And there was a bunch of English people there with cameras set up, and they go, cop, thank you, brilliant, fellas. And we did that a couple of times, and I ended up getting the call. It took a long, long time, about three months later, and they, they offered me the job.
0: Super. Well, did you have to compete with anybody else to get that role?
3: I'm sure I did. I mean, there's a bunch of, bunch of car guys and a bunch of people that would love my job, and I don't blame them. So I just went and uh, did the audition, hoped for the best, and... Uh, I got lucky.
0: Well, good. Congratulations, because you certainly make up a good team there. Tell us a little bit how you got in the car. I mean, you're obviously a car guy, so what was your first car?
3: Oh, uh, my first, well, the this, this story is my first car that ran. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> that I used was an 81 Dodge, and I got from my, uh, I was on the dead relative inheritance program. Okay. And when my when my grandfather passed away, I was next in line, and he had an 81 Dodge Aries K. Oh, boy. which It was just front-wheel drive, disgustingly Transportation is what it was. But my first <laughs> car that my father gave me was an old plumbing truck. It was a 70 Coupe de Ville that my mother threw a cigarette out the window. We didn't know it came back in. It burnt out the back seat. So we woke up in the morning, there was smoldering flames coming out of the car. So me and my father yanked the seat out, and he figured out he can get a length of pipe from the trunk through the front seat underneath the dash, and that became the plumbing truck. So we would load all the pipe in the back of the caddy, put all the, uh, the torches and everything and all the tools in there and that's the car he taught me to drive it. And I always remember this whenever I take my driving test, my father would say, don't slam on the brakes, the torch will hit you in the back of the head. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be on the test, Pop.
0: (laughs) Now, after that, like what are some of the other cars that you owned in the past?
3: I had an 85 uh, Thunderbird I bought from my brother. Well, we kept all the cars in the family. We just kept recycling them. Um, Like my brother had, uh, he wanted, I think he went and bought a new Yukon. He had an 85 Turbo Coupe that I, I bought from him. That was my comedy car when I first started doing stand-up. So I put 190000 on that thing going up and down the East Coast. Never gave me any trouble. Never, I mean, I had to put a new clutch in it, but that car was great. A lot of people had trouble with like the the uh, the, uh, the fuel pump in that car, but it, it treated me well. I sold it with almost 190, almost 2,000 miles on it. That was my comedy car. Then I moved out here, and the only thing I could afford when I got out, when I say out here, in LA. The only thing I could afford when I was out here was a I had a '93 luxury Ford Escort,
2: Ooh. which actually.
3: I wrote my opening bit on my first CD about that car. It was a great car because if you wanted to stop and your brakes went out, you just had to turn on the air conditioner.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, you mentioned the uh, Aries. You know, that was the Lee Iacocca special that kind of saved Chrysler, and then of course the Escort yeah. was labeled as the uh, world car. So <laughs> you had two fine <laughs> yeah. jewels there.
3: Well, it was that that in the minivan. I mean, Iacocca's just like, look, I want a van. You can get in the garage, and they did. Yeah, he made that in the garage and. Shelby was a key. Shelby followed him because I remember when I uh, remember Shelby sat in the office. He wasn't leaving until Iacocca gave him the motors when he was at Ford, Mm -hmm. and he did. He pretty much did the same thing at Chrysler. And I never drove the GLH. We tried to get the GLH for uh, some episode. We all had to pick our cars, and we, we make our list about the cars. And I remember everyone had the GLH on their list. And we whittle them down, but I've never, never got a hold of one of those. I remember the Charger was real ugly. Oh, yeah. Remember the Shelby Charger was real ugly. There's one here in my neighborhood. There's a Charger. There's one, yeah, the, the silver and gold paint job. Yes. It's one. And there's a 59, uh, there's a 59 caddy, a red one. That lives a couple of blocks over. I drive out of my way just to see that car where I'm going when I leave my house. I'll go three, four blocks out of the way just to see if the car's out in the street.
0: You sound like uh, you kind of wrench on cars too a little bit because you got a fairly, it sounds like you got a fairly extensive um, terminology background. Do you kind of?
3: Nah. No? no? Can't fix a thing. Once I I picked up the hood and I said, where's the carburetor? I'm done. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I had explained, my father would explain it to me. Like, I, I know how it works, I can gap a spark plug with like a guitar pick. And if it's not starting I can smack the solenoid. But that's about it. No I'm done. I mean I, I brakes, forget it. They, my father made a brake spoon, he bent a screwdriver into a brake spoon. And it was he was working on the drum brakes. That's the last time that I ever look I could see the calipers through the wheel, but I can't fix it. Well, at least you know parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what we need. I know what's wrong, but I can't I don't have that if then go to statement. Rut can get in there and just kinda keel an engine. Okay. And and it will just, you know, yell at the crew chief.
0: Gotcha. Well, now, that brings up uh, a question on the show. Now, I remember the one episode where you were doing, uh, you were taking cars that you had to drive all over the place. I remember the little situation where you the Miata, and then you had the Maverick, you know, and you, yeah. next thing you know, it shows up in a big, as on, on a set of, you know, like a Ford Bronco chassis or something like that. Now, do you guys have input to that, or how does that, how does, how do those cars come about, and what's the duration there? Because it's like, next thing you know, here you are.
3: Yeah, well, we get, we'll get to pick what cars. I think that was our, uh, Uh, If we can use small cars and trucks on Texas episode, right? So we all we all get to pick our cars that we wanted, and we have a vague idea of what we got to do with them. I wanted the Maverick, and the guys that find our cars, I I was such a pain in the ass because I wanted one with a three hundred two, and you know those (laughs) things had had the the sixes in them. You can get those all day long, but the three. And I asked for like the grabber hood and everything.
2: (laughs) All (laughs) right. right.
3: We finally found a 302, that's, uh, and just shut up, and, and that's the car you're going to take. So we get to pick the cars we want, and we kind of know what the story is about, but a lot of the challenges uh, are new. Once we see them, you're seeing them for the same time.
0: In that particular episode with the Maverick, now was that, I mean, you had driven the Maverick earlier, so was it that the very same car, and then you come back and you film it at a later date, and after they it goes to a shop and they modified it, is that how that works?
3: Yeah, the, they modify. It depends on the shooting schedule okay. and the cars we can get. Like I think that was on a geo tracker, so it's not only uh, not only do we have to worry about the map, but we have got to worry about getting the, the the car we need. So we got to get a tracker frame and put it on there. So it's all kind of the black arts of logistics, you know.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. The the magic of TV and movies.
3: Yeah, there is a little TV magic in there, but it's uh, we we try try to stay as true to it, uh, the uh, timeline as we can.
0: Now you you sound like I mean you, you know you mentioned Maverick obviously Maverick Graver, and a few things like that you talk about the Dodge Omni and the GLH and uh, you know some of the mm-hmm. other cars so it sounds like you're pretty much a car guy do you kind of collect cars too
3: if I had the budget Robin please if I had the budget <laughs> I certainly would but uh, right now uh, I have my my we're still I'm trying to think of the miles on it it's about almost almost not quite 120 thousand miles on a 1990 LS 400. That's my daily drive. I got it for $3,300 uh, with 98,000 miles on it. I figured if I got six months out of the car, I'd be ahead of the game. Two years later, the thing is still running. So uh, that, that's my daily drive. My wife has an 08 E350 that she likes. She likes the German, my bride. Um, And right now, if we had our hands on, if we had the room and and the budget, there was a, uh, I just did an appearance at the Volo Auto Museum in Chicago, which is beautiful. And you know, in between, you walk around, you look at all the cars and stuff. And they had a 66 uh, GTO. Gorgeous. And they wanted about, I guess, about 40 and change for the thing. Uh, It had a four speed in it. It was really, really nice. I took a picture, I sent it home for my wife and she's looking at me, she sends back question marks, and I'm sending back question marks in the text. When you start thinking, okay, where am I going to put it, then you got a problem. You're that close to buying the thing. So we didn't make the plunge on that one, but I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to get an old muscle car once we finish our house and settle in.
0: Well, good, good. Now, are you kind of like a Ford GM Chrysler guy? Because it sounds like you've had a little of everything in the past. Yeah,
3: pretty much a little growing up, a little of everything. I mean, I have uh, my favorites from, from each manufacturer. My favorite Ford... Still to this day it's the '68 390 Fastback, the Bullet Car, the Highland Green. Okay, uh, that's still my favorite. That car. I mean, that in sixty in that that year, I think they got the proportions right, mm-hmm. and the taillights went in, and everything just got because the '66. I had a '66. I had a Hertz rental '66. We used in the uh, in a photo shoot, and the angle of the roof when it came back it was still wasn't quite there yet, so that's mm-hmm. my favorite uh, my favorite year for the fastback. So that's kind of my favorite. I drove a GT40. I Ooh. drove the actual one that raced in Le Mans in 66. I drove it on the show. I only drove it six or eight feet, but, hey, it walks as good as a hit. I drove the car. <laughs>
0: well, it's funny you mentioned the Highland Green Mustang, because believe it or not, I actually owned, at one point in time, a factory Highland Green 390 S-Code 4-speed deluxe interior GT Mustang fastback. So that was a cool piece.
3: Gorgeous. When do you say? You owned it, at what time? What became of such such a car, my friend? Well,
0: what happened was, is a number of years ago, a buddy of mine had a '67 Shelby Gt350 automatic air car. I'm not an automatic guy. I'm more of a four speed, but hey, it was a Shelby. So, and mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big Shelby guy. I'm a Ford guy, well known in the area. And um, mm-hmm. so this friend of mine owned this car. Owned this car for a number of years, and he unfortunately rolled the car in an accident on mm-hmm. some serious traffic on i4 just outside of orlando so right. he contacted me because i used to be in a salvage yard business so he was one of my customers and he says robert you know i'm thinking about selling a car because i didn't have it insured properly so i needed to come up with cash real quick as much as i did not want to sell my gt i wanted that shelby more mm. so right. that's why the shelby went i mean the gt went however the guy that i sold it to still has the car we're talking 15 years ago yeah maybe yeah mm-hmm. 13 14 years. he still has the car and has done nothing with it
3: we it's just sitting
0: there? It's just sitting there. And I had the motor out of it at the time, and it's a factory four-speed car, and it's still sitting there. He's done nothing to it. He's in the late-model GTs and Mustangs and stuff. So that Highland Green 390 S-code with original paint is still sitting in this guy's shop.
3: Yeah. Well, you got to go get that car back. It just can't sit there. Well, no, I
0: need to get it and sell it to you.
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: You need that car.
3: And actually, you know what car I did when you said uh, I need, and I'm still looking for it, a 57 Starfire Oldsmobile? 98, that was the car of family legend. My father, like, put that together. Uh, that was his pride and joy, and he sold that when I was born. So I got a lot of guilt.
0: Two-door, four-door right.
3: car? Oh, it was a two-door convertible. It had oh, the uh, he put Mercury skirts on it, a Continental kit on the back of that. My mother took her driving test in that car in Queens, and it was almost six feet from the back of the rear tire to the end of the Continental kit. She was knocking over garbage cans on Liberty Avenue trying to parallel park that <laughs> thing.
0: <laughs> wow, wow,
3: wow. Well, yeah, now... Button tucked the interior in that, and he he was uh, he took cabinet knobs and he put them in the grill. Like, he he, uh, he uh, buffed them up uh, uh, the chrome knobs. They just glittered in the grill. It Looked like bullets coming out of the grill. you like, have... I want to build that car.
0: Do you have pictures of that car anywhere?
3: I have a picture of that car. Yeah, I have a I have a picture of my father standing in front of that car in a tuxedo. I think it was the day he went and got married.
0: Oh wow.
3: Yeah, I came years later. I got, actually, I got a picture of uh, an old, uh, the plumbing truck, the first Chevy plumbing truck we had. Uh, my father, uh, my grandfather was a plumber in Queens, and my father had the plumbing trucks, and he put our names, me and my brother's names, on the truck, and those were our favorite. I mean, I sat in that truck, it had my name on it. It was an old piece of crap Chevy, but it, but it was magical to me because it had my name on.
0: It. <laughs> wow, that is cool. That is cool. Now, are you kind of more towards uh, vintage cars, or do you like the newer stuff? Or because I mean, you... I,
3: loved, I always like Cadillacs. I always uh, I got that from my dad. I Always liked the Cadillac and the CTS V Coupe. I had that car for about four days, and that's just 556 horsepower, a six-speed. I had six-speed. Uh, it was just that was the car that I want I, I, the Black Diamond Edition is the one I really like um, so that new Caddy really was like that was the perfect clutch to do what my father liked the Caddy and what I like in a car that's just you can dump the clutch and just throw that thing around and just have a lot of fun in the car and a six speed in a supercharger and a six speed in a Cadillac that, that, that's great, 556 horsepower, that's perfect Cadillac for me. So that's one of my favorite new cars, and I know Rutt really likes the wagon. We did an episode where, uh, up in the desert, and he met me at my house in the wagon, and I had the coupe, and that was one of the best drives to work we ever had, about three hours up into the desert.
0: Well, it's funny you mention that, I'm kind of a wagon guy, and uh, I mm-hmm. definitely, I could definitely go for the wagon with the six-speed.
3: Yeah, I, I, I like the coupe. It's, it's, like, it's almost like my Batmobile. That's how ridiculous I am when I get in that car. It's just I just, oh, you know what else it's really like? Like if you're a superhero, the Aventador. I had so much fun with the new Lamborghini Aventador. First of all, it's a beast. It's an animal. But they have a switch on the, uh, on, on the ignition switch, the ignition button. You throw the switch. It's almost like a missile lock switch. It's red. And that's, huh. that's so much fun just flipping that switch and starting that car. I'm a grown man, and i was enjoying the hell out of that one little feature.
0: No, that's cool. I'd say, yeah, it's kind of like being a child again when you get your first little gadget, you know?
3: Oh, yeah, I just drove the Viper. I just drove uh, the new Vi- Oh, That's just, it's an animal. It's like your, it's like your Slim Pickens riding the, riding the missile at the end of Dr. Strangelove in that car. <laughs> 600, 640 horsepower, 600 pound-feet of torque in a V10 with side pipes it's a supercar with side pipes it's just ridiculous
0: now you know it's funny that, i mean you you guys got to have a lot of fun because you get to drive some pretty cool cars on that tv show yeah. don't you mm-hmm.
3: do you well, get yeah, go ahead
0: i was gonna say when they bring those cars on the set do you guys get to kind of like drive them a little bit ahead of time get familiar with them you know and stuff and does tanner do any coaching for you guys since he's kind of a race car guy
3: yeah, well, we get, sometimes we get them before, like the caddy I had for three days before we did that piece. Mm-hmm. So I got to know the car and I got the, I made it a point to get that car because I wanted it. Um, but sometimes, you know, when we do the old beta cars, you don't meet the car until you show up on the set. But if there's any kind of a, like whenever I have to flip a car over on purpose, Tanner always takes me through it and he always looks at me and goes, now you're not going to go too fast. <laughs> okay. Because you know you can, your throttle control is either on or off with you. Yeah, I know. They like <laughs> kind of calmed me down a little bit. Uh, but Tana, anytime there's a, anytime there's any kind of a driving to do with cameras and stuff, Tana always gives us the once over. I mean, I don't know how. The first time we, we were together, uh, I had to take the I think a 70, 76 Coupe DeVille off road in our moonshine episode. And uh, there's, you know, no harness in that thing. It was whatever it was a, uh, a lap belt from '76. So he kind of pulls the seat all the way up, puts the belt around, me, pulls the shoulder harness real tight, puts it under the headrest, and just smacks me in the helmet, goes, "Okay, you'll be all right." <laughs> and, and, and when I went through the course, I actually jumped the thing about 40 feet in the air, and his face got all white. <laughs> and He's like, "What the hell are you doing?" I said, eh, "Maybe I was a little too aggressive on the throttle." <laughs> Some of
0: the episodes that you've done, what are some of the more famous ones that, uh, you know, the ones that stick in your mind that you really, truly enjoyed?
3: Uh, The the, journey is always, like we just did Iceland. That was the one that just came to mind. If that was an epic journey, we're driving across uh, glaciers. It's just a really small crew and us, and you're sleeping in shacks, you're sleeping in trucks. It's just that adversity, that sense of adventure, those are the ones that really stick out at me because we're like a little traveling army.
0: You guys really kind of rough it a lot of times?
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of Sheridan sweets uh, in Iceland. <laughs> no, I, I it's could. Those, it's those journeys, like when we, uh, we went through Death Valley, we went through, uh, you know, we had sleeping tents, and the sun comes up, and you're up at first light, and you're, all, you're seeing all this... You're dead tired, but you're seeing all this amazing stuff with people you actually enjoy being with. So it's a, it's a rare experience.
0: Did you get a chance to drive in Germany at all on the Audubon yet?
3: No, I have not done that. Tanner, I think Tanner took the Raptor. That was the last thing he took around uh, the, uh, the Nürburgring, Nürburgring. Uh, but I have not been in Germany.
0: Now, when you guys do this kind of stuff, when you at the very beginning, did you guys have to go to any kind of driving school, any racing school, or any of that kind of stuff? Or some oh, of oh, I don't
3: know about the other guys, because they had the experience. I actually went to stunt school. Um, Really good friend of mine was the stunt coordinator on uh, Rescue Me, and his name was uh, Danny Ayello the third. And I said, "Danny, I got this gig on Top Gear." He knew the show, and he goes, "Go see, uh, go see Mike Burke. He uh, he runs a stunt school in, in New Jersey called Drivers East. Uh, he's a stunt guy." So I went down there and I took a day down there with him, and just to just for him to show, like I, like I knew what every other kid knows with a, with a rental car in a in a parking lot, but not enough. Uh, to be confident at really high speeds, so he kind of took me through it and and, uh, and trained me a little bit. And basically said, "Trust your instincts. Don't think you're a better driver than you are, and you should be okay." <laughs> all right, thanks.
0: <laughs> now, do you as you, on your own? I mean, inherently, do you have a tendency to drive fast, or what type of a driver are you?
3: I drive my wife insane. I have the ADD, Robert. So <laughs> it's all over. Uh, it's all over the place uh, when I'm driving. I've I, I've learned more about, you know, having your eyes down the track uh, on, on top here. But I tend, to, uh, I tend to drive real fast when we come out of work, just when we finish work. Because, you know, for six days or seven days, we have locked up roads sometimes. And you can just throw a car into a corner and this is what you're supposed to do. And then when I leave work, I'm like, oh, I forgot. I'm back in public again. I can't drive like this. There's no police escort. So you've got to kind of watch yourself.
1: And the
0: other thing I was going to ask you, too, is like, for example, when you do these shows, I mean, and you're working with Tanner and with Rutledge, I mean, now you've been doing this for what? This is, uh, you're going on your third season?
3: We're shooting our fourth season. Fourth
0: season. So you guys have a real camaraderie there, right? It's, like, it's a pretty good mix with you guys, isn't it?
3: Yeah. It's uh, it's really nice. It's, everyone on the set and the crew, It's you kind of all got to get along because it's not like a regular TV show. It's pretty much, you know, it's like a little traveling army, so uh, we all pretty much get along and... Have our, have our little jokes and our stuff that uh, releases attention. But we go. We'll shoot 16-hour days. Wow. You know.
0: Do you play a lot of pranks on each other?
3: We used to. Uh, now, it's, uh, now it's just like, I think we, we'd like to, but we're kind of tired. <laughs> I'd really like to booby-trap your car, but I don't want to get up.
0: Any stories you could tell us about some of the wild things you did to each other?
3: Mm, I like the, uh, we, well, we smoke bomb Tanner's trailer. At the studio once, that was good. I, mean, I think we put anchovies in his heat bent. Ooh,
0: that's that that's that lasts for days.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> and uh, oh, there was a, a scene where I have to show them a picture. Uh, I have to show them a picture on my phone, and one of the takes. And I put a, a picture that I knew would make them laugh. So I don't know if they're going to use that take, but it wasn't the picture I was supposed to show them.
0: But the neat thing is, that you guys get to travel quite a bit. And uh, are there so? Is it going to be kind of like now you've been to Iceland? You obviously done yeah. the United States. Um, what are some of the other areas, other locations geographically around the world that you guys plan on taking the show?
3: Um, well, what we plan on doing and what actually happens, I would love to do the uh, the Revolutionary War with the guys from England. I <laughs> feel like that a debate in England cars. And uh, I want a P seventy one. I want a Crown Vic. Huh. I want to. I want to. want to throw the tea into the harbor. So that's something I'd like to do. As far as other locations, you know, I you know, I always throw the Normandy landing in there. I always wanted to land in Normandy or see if I could beat Patton's time to Bastogne.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go.
3: So yeah. So uh, as far as locations, we just throw a bunch of ideas on the wall and see which ones gain some traction. So, but I'd like to go wherever we can.
0: So the producers pretty much, and and those guys pretty much come up with all that stuff. So you guys had just a little bit of input as to how the show, uh, some of the ideas and concepts, and uh, yeah, gags and gimmicks.
3: Yeah, great. We're 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 always encouraged to have uh, to have uh, input into the show, which always makes for a better show because it's a group. It's a, uh, a a group idea, and we're all focused in the same direction. Those tend to be the better shows, and the producers are really gracious about having us have input in it, you know, and just even the cars we pick, you know, because if we don't believe in the cars, we can't, you know, we can't defend them, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier about the guys in Europe. Have you guys kind of, like, sat down and hung out with those guys? Have you discussed maybe doing a uh, kind of like a co-op show, you know? Like you said, not necessarily U.S. versus England type thing, but just a show together or um, interact?
3: Uh, we met Richard Hammond. We all went over for a, a press event early on and met Richard Hammond. Really nice guy. And he's got two of my favorite cars. He's got he's got the bullet car. He's oh, got, does he? Uh, yeah, but it's blue and white. Uh, and he's got a 61 Jag. Ooh. Uh which is my last one of my, with the lights above the grill and, and the glass. It's got that that, that model had the glass uh, uh, lenses, lens covers on the front of it. Right. That was, just, that was just a sexy car. I know a lot of people think the wheels are kind of too small and, and it hangs over a little bit, but that was the era. You know, that was, you know, 61 Jag is just gorgeous to me.
0: Well, the Series 1 E type, yeah, you're, you're definitely, there's no question about that. That is just a timeless car and uh, yeah. absolutely stunning. Now, some of the other stuff that you guys do on the show, for example, when you um, get together to start in the morning and so, what time do you start shooting and stuff?
3: Well, it depends on, uh, on uh, if we're daylight dependent and how much light. Like, in, We got really early in, uh, in Iceland, or late in Iceland, because you only had like six hours of daylight. So a lot of the traveling we did was at night across the glacier, but the shooting time was limited, so you would get up at first light. Um, a lot of times it's pretty early starting, depending on what we have to make. If we have to make a shot by sunset, then we have to work backwards, um, so it's always kind of moving. and uh, Again, it depends on uh, what's what do we need to get done that day. Many- it's always too early, Robert. It's always too damn early.
0: It's always too <laughs> early. Is there a lot of rehearsing that goes on ahead of time, or, I mean, how many takes do you usually have to do, or how, how does that work?
3: There's not really a lot of rehearsing. A lot of stuff is first take stuff, um, because we all have ADD, and we don't remember what we said. Okay. <laughs> so it's pretty much just us babbling. I mean, we'll do something again for a different angle, or we'll do something, you know, move the cameras out for a non-sync wide. Um, so we can uh, so it comes together in editing but this, you've seen the show does it look like there's a lot of rehearsing
0: no no the I idiot. wasn't sure so I, it looks pretty much like you guys pretty much ad lib right or do you have a script
3: yeah no we have a script uh, sometimes we stick to it most of the times we don't it depends on what happens in the moment like it's really important to us to get the information right Mm-hmm. You know, as far as, uh, you know, zero sixty times and, and torque and, you know, how, uh, what, uh, how, how big the engine is. And so that's kind of important to us to get all the information correctly. But other than that, you know, we know where the beats of the story are um, once we find out what a challenge is. And uh, we just go from there.
0: Interesting, interesting. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, some of your earlier jobs that you had before the days you were a comedian and stuff, what are some of the eyeball jobs that you had that uh, where you had to you had to drive a car? Were you ever like a pizza delivery guy or anything like that?
3: No, I never did that. Never, as far as the drive, I learned to drive. Uh, well, I learned to drive a stick in that eighty-five Thunderbird, uh-huh. and then because I could drive a stick, I ended up driving flatbed at the fence company, the Women Fence Company, on Long Island, and they had these old Fords, and the transmissions were like they were four speed If you squinted, there's a half a gear here. <laughs> possible if you get if you get the right RPMs you might get fourth gear so I could figure out how to how to get around in the trucks. So they would make me drive the trucks because I could I could navigate the transmission. I got then you. we got an Iveco. We got a flatbed Iveco. I think it was a twenty five foot bed, a flat nose. It was terrible. Just a terrible truck. But I drove that and the best part about that truck is I figured out that the uh, the jets for the white washer fluid they're on regular Phillips screwdriver. You could adjust them with a Phillips screwdriver. So I pointed one of the jets straight out over the uh, driver's side, and the passenger side, I, I uh, pointed to the right, and I filled up the tank. And I actually had a, a giant water pistol, and I was driving around Long Island, spraying people with this truck. <laughs> it was great. I was getting people with, it. and I used I would use my wiper as a as I adjusted the windage and the elevation of the jet so I could use the tip of the wiper as an aiming device, I got away with that for maybe three days before someone called the company and complained. And my boss went, gee, Adam Ferrara, he's out there, he's using the truck as a water pistol. And and the number for the company's right on the front of the truck. He's like, <laughs> he's stupid at the same time. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds like that would have been a fun job. Yeah, it was. So how'd you get into stand-up comedy? How'd that uh, that come to fruition?
3: Oh, I always wanted to try it. When I was a kid, I was about... I'm I'm guessing maybe around 11 or 12 years old. And my parents, we went to... uh one of those parties where the, the the whole family goes, but your father works with the guy. Like you get, your mother would give you the warning in the car. She'd lean over in the back of the car and go, "Now your father does business with these people. Don't behave like animals." <laughs> so we went in. We had to behave ourselves, and all the adults were watching uh, Richard Pryor the Santa Monica concert. And then they went into the coffee to have kitchen, and I went back in and I just hit the hit the. Uh, the tape, and I just watched Richard Pryor, and it blew the top of my head off. I was—I didn't understand a lot of it, but I just remember thinking to myself, look what this man can do. It just looked important. It just looked like he had this power, and I just remember it just had, I had that impression on me. And then when I got out of college, I wanted to try it, and uh, I'll be honest with you, Robert, it's the longest phase I've ever been in.
0: No kidding well now yeah. you were a big fan of the hippy dippy weatherman george carlin so you got your opportunity to I, open with him
3: i got to open for carlin too right i got uh, at the comedy magic club uh it's a club in hermosa beach uh mike Lacey runs a place uh it's a great place and i was headlining a the weekend there my manager called me up and said listen there's a problem with your weekend at comedy magic i'm like what he goes, well, they booked another headline. You can open if you want. And right away, my ego kicks in. Open? I'm not open for some juggler. Who the hell is bumping me? And he said, it's George Carlin. I went, does he need a ride? And <laughs> I pick him up. So I got to open for Carlin and for the whole weekend. And he, he watched my set. And I got to talk to him. And it was really great. He, uh, he quoted a joke I did. It was, it was really nice. When someone that important to you is such a nice person, it makes it that much better.
0: Wow! So that was like a big, big deal for you then, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, that was great. And I met Pryor at the Comedy Awards. Uh, I met Don Rickles. I mean, I get to meet all these guys, and uh, it, it's it's really it's it's really nice when they when they're nice people.
0: So, out of all the uh, comedians, who's who would you say was like the the most inspiring to you? You know, that uh, said, wow, I really, I mean, sort of uh, Richard Pryor and George Carlin.
3: Well, are they all yeah, those guys really just kind of set the foundation. That's who I listened to. Like, the uh, the box under the bed was was comedy albums and it was uh I the two thousand year old man, Mel Brooks, it was Robert Klein, a lot of Robert Klein, uh Carlin, uh Pryor. There was uh, a Don Rickles Speaks which was an LP by, I think my mother had. Um and I just in Dangerfield and I would just listen to these uh Robin Williams Live at the Met. Uh, and then Eddie Murphy came out. So all I just listening to all of them, just just putting it into the machine, not knowing that uh, I was getting an education. I just enjoyed it. So uh, I'd say any one of those is a good starting off point.
0: How many years did it take you before you finally kind of hit the big time, so to speak, when you were doing the stand-up comedy stuff?
3: I'm still waiting for it to happen, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think
0: you've done pretty well. I mean, TV shows, uh, movies. Uh, matter of fact, you were funny in Mall Cop. I like that. And Rescue Me, oh, yeah. you've been in that one. I mean, uh, TV show, and then occasionally Kings and Queens. I think you're on there once in a while.
3: Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's it's nice to keep working. And I, the, the fortunate thing is, I, as I w- look for wood to knock, oh, is um, just to keep working at this. You know, my last straight job was when i got out of college i was a dishwasher in a savings bank at the corporate offices they had a kitchen for all the suits and uh i was the dishwasher during the day And it was only a lunch crowd so i would wash dishes during the day and do comedy at night and uh, just to be able to not have to take a day job <laughs> is uh that's, that's 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 success in this business. So I'm pretty happy and fortunate about that. Do you
0: pretty much write your own material, and what uh, what kind of inspires you? Is it just pretty much like a lot of guys, just day to day life routine stuff that uh, just pops in your mind and is kind of funny, and you put your little spin on it?
3: Yeah, it depends. Like something will come to you uh, uh, in the news, or I'm pretty much a confessional comic, so I'm writing about my life and my, and. Uh, experiences and stuff, but every once in a while something in the news will pop up. And if I'm doing it, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do stand-up as much as I'd like to, well, fortunately, because of Top Gear, uh, but it takes a little while to get back into the swing of things. And once you open yourself up to stand-up, then the ideas uh, come to you more because you're focusing on that. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how long are they plan on running? Uh, now, they just renewed Top Gear. You said, what, fourth season, though. So how long do you uh, think that show's lasts on the air? I mean, the uh, British version's been on for a number of years. Obviously, so uh, and your show seems to be real successful.
3: Yeah, we're fortunate. Uh, we got a, We got a hardcore audience, uh, and they show up every week uh, on Twitter for us. And uh, we we like to live tweet during the shows and share what we can with the fans. So we're doing good. Uh, I, as far as how long it goes, that's not uh, that's not up to me, my friend. That's... I hope it goes long because I, I want that. I want that sixty seven GTO
0: absolutely, or the or the bullet car.
3: Yeah, or the bullet car.
0: How about motorcycles? You into motorcycles at all?
3: Nah. First, I'd have to buy my own street and nerf everything, and that just gets expensive.
0: <laughs> okay, I got. It. I like that nerf everything it's in case you fall down, right? Yep. Okay. What about uh, animals? I mean, do you ride horses or anything like that, or what else? What else does Adam Ferrara do? I mean, when he's not playing around with the guys on Top Gear, and you're not doing stand-up comedy, I mean, what kind of other hobbies do you have? Well,
3: I have. A, it's when I'm not working. Um, I like to shoot pool, and I have a dog that i actually uh have talked about before my wife is a hippie so the care of this animal is uh is everything i'm going to tell you robert is true she's on a raw diet so she eats raw i don't know supposed to be better for her so she was eating raw bison from whole foods because naturally that's what a nine pound jack russell would hunt in the wild is a buffalo (laughs) okay yeah so she's itchy so my wife has a uh uh, the, 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 the red meat was causing too much heat in her body, and I know this because the dog's acupuncturist told me. My wife has an acupuncturist for the dog. She has a holistic vet that comes to the house. I don't know if you noticed, know Robert. There's no Groupon for that.
2: Okay. No. So,
3: and she said that we have to switch her. Instead of raw bison, we have to switch her to raw turkey. Now, the only, the only raw turkey my dog is eating is now is the uh, Kosher Farms turkey from Whole Foods. My dog was a rescue, and I had no idea she was Jewish.
0: She we eats discovery. better than I do.
3: Yeah, well, she's only going to eat that. So she eats that. She's, she's home before it gets dark on Fridays, uh, and that's what we do. <laughs> I think. Relax, I ask the dog. She reads from right to left, you know. Okay. Sit around. And the dog will read the Torah to me. Because if not now, when, Robert?
0: When? That's uh, that's it. Oh, let me ask another question. You know, I forgot to go back. Let's jump back to uh, Top Gear real quick. Bloopers. Do you guys save a lot of that stuff? And is there ever... Uh, do you guys... Uh, is there a way to get a hold of any of those? Or they thinking about doing any kind of a show? Or is just the whole show a blooper sometimes? Uh,
3: sometimes it feels like that. But I know there's some stuff on Season 2 that we were real delirious. And uh, I think it was actually on the, uh, the Texas episode. I think I'm... I'm just rambling into a flashlight, someone told me. Uh, there's a lot of bloopers, and I think they, they, they come out on the, uh, on the DVDs.
0: Well, that sounds like that would be kind of funny. I'd like to see those. Mm-hmm.
3: I know we do commentary. This is the one thing is we'll pick an episode from a season to do the commentary, and pretty much it'll be us with a computer in a hotel room and a couple of drinks and just remembering it. And that's, uh, the last two have been really fun. So I know we, we've, we've enjoyed doing that.
0: Well, that's cool. Well, Adam, I want to thank you very much for taking some time to uh, hang out with us here for a little bit on the show. And you're still driving your, what, 1990, is it a Lexus LS400? That's what you said you had?
3: 1990 LS400. Uh, she's in great shape. It might be a timing belt in my future. I got my fingers <laughs> crossed it doesn't happen, but that's the only thing I could see, uh, see on the horizon for that car.
0: Wow. Well, anyway, would you be willing to come on the show again sometime? Yeah, sure. Now, so far, Tanner's been on, you've been on, and i got to get Rutledge. Actually, I met Rutledge in Vegas. I tried to get him on back then, so if you see him, tell him uh, you know keep us in mind here. I uh,
3: will see him. I will pass it on. He's a good guy. He'd be a great guest for you.
0: Super. Anyway, so uh, so now you're currently filming right now, and you said through August, right?
3: Yeah, we'll probably shoot now until August, and then, uh, uh, then Nurse Jackie will start uh, production, so I'll just uh, roll into that show.
0: Okay. Wow. Jeez, you got a busy schedule. And, yeah, uh,
3: ain't nothing going on but Durant, Bobby.
0: That's true. <laughs> well, now wait a minute. Now, now, what about your stand-up comic thing? Are you going to pick that up too? Then
3: hopefully, I get some stand-up in. It's uh, it's whenever I can.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. All right, Adam. Again, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out. Say hi to the guys. Uh, you got a great show. I look forward to seeing it. I don't always catch it, but I do catch the reruns, which is kind of neat because sometimes they'll do like a. Like a marathon show and you get to watch all the shows, which that's one way if I'm sitting around and I'm uh, you know, I can watch all the shows and get caught up on it. But you got a great show. Keep up the good work.
3: Thanks. I appreciate you watching, pal.
0: All right, take care and say hi to everybody. Certainly will. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Wow, what a super guest. Hey, everybody needs to check out Top Gear weekly on the History Channel. Oh yeah, next week we will be airing at three PM in the afternoon. We are gonna be preempted because of the Blue Jays baseball game in Dunedin at the Florida Auto Exchange Stadium from our regular time at 7 p.m. And, of course, weekly I will announce, you know, when our schedule is going to be because this will be changing from time to time during the whole summer season through August. Anyway, be sure and check out our website, Motorsports.com. Like us on Facebook. Tell all your friends about some of the great celebrities that come on our radio show. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll see you at some of the car shows.
1: WTAN Clearwater Tampa Bay, WDCF Dade City Tampa Bay, WZHR Zephyr Hills Tampa Bay, listen.